It is Matt Mosley. Matt Mosley show. Just catching up on whatever Rivals has today. And what is Kevin Longquist from Rivals? What has he put out there today that, that might interest folks? And the, the, the answer is quite a bit. The man's always out there putting up some interesting things. And, um, and, and today, the latest thing that I came across, and Kevin joins us now. Uh, Kevin, how are you? And have you, uh, you're a man that likes to go to bed on time. Does, you're not like me. You don't like to stay up all night. And, um, but but that, that was some late-night Baylor basketball. And then you got some free basketball with the OT. Kevin, I think they may look back on that one and think of that as one of the, uh, the grittiest, best wins of the basketball season. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree with that. By the way, I really had to fight to uh, drink a lot of coffee to stay up and finish that one last night. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, I, yeah, it was a tremendous effort for them because of the fact that, you know, for the seventh time in the last eight games, they haven't had L.J. Cryer, so they're kind of used to that, uh, Matt. And, of course, Adam Flagler, who missed TCU on Saturday, uh, delivers uh, career-time performance. Of course, we know that they haven't had Jonathan Chamo Chachua obviously since he went down uh, with the torn ACL and other ligaments against Texas. So, you know, they've been shuffling this lineup basically for the last couple of weeks, really essentially, if you want to go back to it, going back to when Akinjo went down with the uh, tailbone injury against tech uh, a month ago. And so Scott Drew has had to really kind of just balance everything to try and get everything moving in the right direction here. And, you know, last night, the fact that they found a way to get this thing into overtime and they found a way to win it, especially on the defensive end with a Flagler taking two charges and then Akinjo with his only two made baskets in the overtime, including the dagger with 13 seconds to go, really is a tribute to how well this team still plays. It's a team, Matt, I think you can say that the sum is better than the parts. And by that, I mean they all just play for each other and they have that will to win. And when you have that kind of factor following what they did last year winning the national title, that matters. It does, <clears throat> and I keep thinking that perhaps those freshmen are just going to – I mean, you, you see glimpses of what they can be at times. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do things that make you think, my gosh, you could run some of this offense through them. Last night, from an offensive standpoint, they needed Flagler to be great. A lot of times, you're mm-hmm. right, they kind of divide it up and, and, and play – you know, everybody has you know five different guys will be in double figures. Last night, they needed a star to show up. And Flagler right. did, and and his range is not only NBA range, but kind of like I mean, Butler developed the ability to shoot from really deep. I think Davion had that ability. Uh, Maceo, obviously, I mean, it, um, it it's something that Baylor's had more and more of. And I think if if you could get Cryer back, I just don't know. I I'm kind of like you. I kind of have gotten to the point where if if he's there. That'd be awesome, but at this point, I I, I just don't know. I I mean, it, it well, seems like almost a uh, some kind of wishful thinking to think that he's going to magically appear and be able to play through you know throughout the NCAA tournament. Well, there's two things to factor on LJ, and I'm sure this is probably not going to be very popular uh, with the Baylor masses, much less Scott Drew and his staff if they're listening to this. Um, is do they are, are they getting to the point where they have to make a call on Cryer uh, for the season, and do they attempt to shut him down? 
because this foot thing hasn't gotten, you know, this started with the game at Alabama that he missed unexpectedly that caught everybody off guard. And it's been a game-to-game thing where he hasn't been available. And even when he came back last week against Tech, he was limited to 15 minutes. So if they don't shut him down and they think that he can play through it, but you're still going to be on this game-to-game thing, now we're getting into a conditioning standpoint where, you know, do you go, well, how much can you really get from him? And what can you really expect? Because if you're only going to get 15 to maybe 20 minutes per game from him, if that's the high point, what kind of productivity can you get from him from a scoring standpoint and all the other elements? And that's, and he's got a conditioning thing that he's going to be dealing with too, as well. I mean, can he even stand to, let's just say that he were to come back full throttle. Could he go 25 minutes? I doubt it. Even if he was completely three, completely healthy or through the foot injury, which, you know, basketball players and foot injuries are never a good mix, but it's just something that they're going to have either going to have to just find a way to gut this out for the end of the season, or perhaps they are getting to that fork in the road. We're saying, do we just have to shut him down because this isn't really getting any better? Yeah, I, uh, I I mentioned the same scenario, and and you know I should point out that neither of us have been told anything uh, along those lines that they're thinking about doing that. But uh, I, I think it makes some sense what uh, what you are uh, what you are, are saying. Talking to Kevin Longquist from Rivals, and a uh, lot to to get into today. By the way, did you um, last night? I I got to say I I never. I was kind of like Ice Likely, the kid who threw that ball up and the ball went in. It's like the whole crowd thought they won it. The one guy in the building who was de- who was certain that he didn't win the game on that crazy circus shot that he did, he was just basically throwing up there for fun was Likely. And I got to yeah. say, I was the same way. I'm like, that's not that doesn't count. I immediately no, didn't think it counted. But I mean, that whole crowd, and I just think there was something about. The replay, the way it showed the shot going up, and then, the, of course, the game ending. ESPN did not have the shot clock on on that last yes. possession. That's, there was a lot yes, of weirdness that. that went into that final play. Well, I think when the shot, when Baylor missed the shot and, and Oklahoma State got the rebound, that they turned the shot clock off because they were running very close to each other. And whoever made the call in the, in the production truck to turn it off made the presumption that they were running in sync with each other, which, of course, they weren't. And, you know, obviously, to your point, while that shot was fun, that's the second time I've seen that this year where someone behind the basket did that. I think somebody from Michigan State did that a couple weeks ago. Um, But, you know, it was pretty clear that he got the shot off well late, and and then the replays showed that the ball was still in his hand when the the light went off and the horn sounded. But – Fun play to watch, just fortunate yeah. for Baylor that it was well after the fact. And, you know, it's a gritty performance for them. By the way, this is one of the weirdest stats uh, for Baylor in their history with Oklahoma State because they've dominated this series lately. They've won seven straight at Gallagher-Iba up there in Stillwater. Now, I've never seen anything like that before, with, maybe, with the exception of maybe Kansas doing it to Kansas State for X number of years or something like that. But that's just phenomenal to own somebody – in their building like Baylor has over Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah, especially that used to be an extremely tough place to play. I was, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sort of but glad. it was smaller before they expanded it. I guess that's it because I think that's a, another reason why Baylor is smart to go smaller 
to, to look mm-hmm. what's happened with Oklahoma State in a small market, uh, big state school. The 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 atmosphere is not the same. And if you looked up top, mm-hmm. those those uh, top deck, there was nobody up there. And honestly, the crowd mm-hmm. didn't seem that great. I mean, I know they got right. into it at the end and all that kind of stuff, but that did not seem like a great crowd at all. I I more more and more right now. I got to say, KU and Tech are separating themselves from the crowd. I mean, the Jayhawks sure. and Texas Tech, and there's really, I mean, maybe I'm missing somebody. There's just not anybody close right now. I mean, I well, think the I Bears, think... it'll be great. Ferrell Center will be a great atmosphere Saturday night. I do think that. But, you know, as far as game in, game out, I don't think anybody's challenging uh, uh, Kansas and Tech right now. No, I mean, I mean, Texas would have to have a lot of things fall its way in order to try and get back into the race, which looking pretty doubtful. What are they down by, like, three, three, three in the loss column to KU with time running out? Remember, Kansas has one more game than everybody else because it has to make up a game with TCU that it lost to COVID earlier this year. So they're back-to-back with the Horn Frogs, essentially. And, you know, the, the thing about this race for the Bears is it, it would be great if they could find a way to not only win, because if they win, they're likely going to be just one game back because – Kansas is playing Kansas State at the Fog this week. I think it's tonight, actually. Um, and and one of those other things about that is, you know, you can fight for it and get into it. The only thing I worry about with the Bears is the fact that, you know, they've still got to go on the road for one more. Uh, and, I kind of, you know, they got to go to Austin. That's a quick turnaround from Kansas Saturday night, too. So they're going to be le- less than 48 hours, you know, short trip. But, I mean, it's, it's a turn, short turnaround from uh, playing KU. To playing in Austin, and you know, obviously it's the last Baylor game in the Irwin Center. That's the last game you know, last in the Irwin Center. Yeah, right. Not not that it's really mattered for Tech for Texas because they've kind of fallen flat on their face in games that matter, with the exception of Kansas a couple weeks ago. But having said that, I think that I'm sure that they're going to be saying that we've we've certainly got some owing to do against Baylor after the way this series has gone against them. And I'm like, well, that's fine, but uh, prove it on the court. Yeah, well, listen, Kevin, we uh, Kelly, we got into all this other stuff, which I wanted to talk basketball with you. I did want to tell people about this article you have uh, on uh, on rivals, and of course, uh, uh, this is Sikkim Sports. This is the uh, Kevin wrote the way too early 2022 football predictions, and I guess Kevin you reserved. Was the I had him at zero twelve. Oh gosh, way. no, man! Kevin is not—he <laughs> is not happy with this. What Baylor's going to put forth? No, you were—you were somewhat optimistic. Now again, we want people. I read this thing and I got excited about talking about it. But as you reminded me, hey, we got to have people that uh, paying customers. I would just recommend that you sign up for this because I really like the sort of game by game nature of this. Um, I thought it was interesting. I'm just going to pick a one or. <clears throat> One or two of these out because I don't I don't want to give okay. away the whole thing. You obviously think the Bears are going to be back in contention for uh, another Big Twelve title. Okay, I don't think I'm giving too much away to say that, and I think that's uh, I think that's I think that's great news. Now, one of the one of the swing games, so to speak. I'm looking at this schedule and I find it fascinating. Um, like for instance, you got to go to Oklahoma. We think Oklahoma and Texas are going to stay till the end of their time. We also know Oklahoma has a new head coach in Brent Venables, but that, there's a lot of chaos and a lot of changes going on with that program. 
right. you have that as a loss for the Bears. Now, and, here, and here's the justification for that. And, okay. and that is because, okay, so the That's justification November 5th. is that we're, right. Okay, so we're basically going to be three months into the season, two, two plus months into the season. And Oklahoma obviously will, you would like, as programs go, like the Blue Bloods go, like, like an Ohio State or Alabama, that once they kind of go through a shock to the system and turnover in their roster, they kind of find their footing by about that time of the season. And, of course, Baylor's never had a really good history up in Norman. They've only won once there, and that was in 2014. Now, for those who say he's out of his mind, why is he doing this? Because Oklahoma's in, in total chaos and that sort of thing. But I'm like, but you can't think about this game in present terms. You have to think about this game working more of under, under a presumption that rosters will kind of get settled in, rhythms will start to develop, that sort of thing, and, and then you'll start to see how these teams will perform. I kind of think it has – it will have some Big 12 championship game implications to it. And, I mean, I, I just don't see where Oklahoma, despite its roster turnover and quote-unquote chaos that they're going through, which is totally fair to say that, is going to be absolutely looking at like a 6-6 six and six season. I would be shocked if that happens. But, you know, for, for those who don't know, I have it as a one-score game. Like maybe, what did I have it, like a field goal or something like that. And it's a case where – when, when you're talking about games that are decided by one score, whether it's a touchdown or a field goal, that's pretty much like flip a coin because it could go either way. And look, the way I look at Baylor's team this year, early on before we get started with spring ball is a couple things. It's going to depend on what their secondary looks like, how they get that replaced, especially who you're going to find as the emotional and inspirational leaders with the departures of Terrell Bernard and Jalen Petrie. Huge question for this defense coming in this spring and then the other thing is going to be on the offensive side is where do you find the quality running back that takes over the spot that abram smith had last year or do you have to go by committee and can your younger wide receivers really step up and make plays in the passing game which is something that baylor's passing game lacked uh for all of the good that baylor did that was one thing where the where baylor's office often suffered last year was finding those guys that could stretch a defense and create separation just on itself. So those are things that this Baylor program uh, has to work on in the offseason, is working on in the offseason, and then we'll see those stories develop in spring ball and then when we get to fall camp. Okay, and, and that was a, that's a 20, and he gives the score and everything. I'll just let you know he's got the Bears losing by a field goal, and um, I was hoping you would have Oklahoma uh, up by a couple of touchdowns trying to kick a field goal to get back at uh, the Bears, but uh, you didn't, you yeah. didn't do that. Uh, well, the, I mean, uh, it's, I mean I, I, like I said, it, it's one of those things, of course. I want people to know, though, that I have them winning for the first time in Morgantown, uh, which is oh, okay. so, on that Thursday night. I mean, I'll give away that one. So, And oh, remember, wow. that's the place. That they've always struggled up there. Um, okay. But, again, I, I, but this is a team, like I said, Matt, that's got, a, that's got a lot of good parts coming back. They will definitely be yeah. in contention for the Big 12 championship. I personally think they're probably going to be the preseason favorites when the Big 12 poll comes out in July, and I'm probably going to pick them there just because of what I think they've got coming back versus everybody else. Yeah. And then the other thing is I think they're going to probably be a preseason top 10 team. Well, that may be the case. I would say by then the media will have a chance to rally behind Texas – 
and Texas will be uh, it'll be Texas and <laughs> OU right there at the top. Kevin, you know good what stuff, call, man. You know, you know what, Matt? You know what I call that real quickly? I'll call that the Texas Media Summer Bromance. <laughs> That's right. Nobody does <laughs> march in April like the Texas Longhorns. All right. Uh, Thanks, Matt. Kevin, all my best. There he goes. Kevin Longquist. And uh, you can sign up for him. He's at Sikkim Sports on, uh, on Twitter. And a good follow and some really interesting stuff. If you want to see what his prediction was for the Baylor season, will does he have them winning the Big 12 title? You can read and find out.